Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive-through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Well, hello, and God bless you. This is Bishop Foreman, and you are listening to CD number one uh, in our series and in our premarital uh, set called Before You Say I Do. I'm very excited that you're taking the time and the opportunity to listen uh, to these CDs. It is extremely important that before we enter into the marriage covenant and the marriage agreement and the marriage contract that we clearly understand what it is that we are doing you know many people today they jump in relationships they jump in marriages and they don't have a crystal clear understanding of what it is that they're getting into and they think it's all about our feelings and emotions not realizing that making a decision to love someone is making a choice love is a choice it is not a feeling and i'm excited that you're taking this seriously by listening to these cds today I want to encourage you, both parties need to be listening to this CD. Both the man and the woman need to be listening to this CD at the same time. Now, it's also great, too, if one takes one to work and the other takes one to work and you swap back and forth. But it's important that through these tapes that you and through these CDs that you learn the principles that are on these CDs and get it down in your spirit. Let me say this. If you're in a rush to get married and if you're in a rush to get a relation, get into a relationship, you will make a mistake. People that rush to do something always don't think through something. And in fact, if you're in the first 90 days of your relationship, and you feel like, you know what, this is the one, she's the one, or he's the one, I know, I feel it in my spirit. If that's what you feel today, then I want to encourage you that you are only thinking with what the doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists, what they call uh, the, 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 uh, the emotional stage. You're, you're in the ecstasy stage of your relationship. That literally means that you're out of your mind. In other words, when you come into a relationship, you're excited, you're on an emotional high and you're feeling great about this relationship, the prospect of being able to finally get married, being able to finally have someone to call your own. And in that first 90 days of your relationship, you will not look at things that are extremely important for you to look at. So I want to encourage you today. As we're going through these CDs, that you clearly uh, understand what we're going through and do not rush to get into a relationship. In fact, you want to make sure that you are making the right decision because you want to make this decision once. You don't want to make it multiple times. You don't want to have to be uh, in front of uh, 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 Judge Judy and Judge Maybelline and divorce court. You don't want to have to do that. You want to be able to make this decision once. And it be the right decision. And I also want to say this before we get get started and get into prayer and get into uh, the lesson for this particular CD. I also want to say this to us, that if you've been married before and you're listening to this CD and you're considering uh, marrying again, 
I want to encourage you as well not to uh, um, not to discount the lessons that you learned from that previous marriage. Learn from those things that you experienced in previous relationships and previous marriages. But watch this. Don't bring that baggage with you into a new relationship. Here's the difference. You may learn a lesson and you may learn that there's certain red flags you need to look for because of the kind of people you're attracted to. And so, for example, if you're attracted to, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, a player type of a man uh, who is all about trying to get as many women as he can. Well, you need to learn lessons from your previous relationships, but don't bring baggage from those relationships. Don't make him responsible for what the last person uh, that you were with. Don't make them responsible for that so i want to encourage you to to learn from those lessons and learn from those red flags you can argue with theory all day but you can never argue with a person's experience today and that's what i want to encourage you in today is uh, as we're moving forward to use your experience but open yourself up to receiving from the word of god today so that you can build this new relationship on the foundation and that foundation is christ jesus don't build a relationship off of things. Don't build a relationship off of money. Don't build it off of emotions. Build it off of Christ Jesus. Well, let's pray today and we'll get into our lesson. Father, I just thank you for those that are listening today. Father, we pray that you would open their heart to receive from you. Father, we open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today. God, provide clear instruction and clear direction. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, I do want to say that uh, as a part of these these sessions that we're going to be doing on CD uh, before you say I do this is the equivalent of having a private counseling session obviously you can't ask questions but it is the equivalent of having a private counseling session this is what the steps we would take for a couple that is considering marriage and this is premarital counseling it is extremely important that every relationship goes through some premarital counseling any relationship or any spouse that refuses to do that that is a bad spouse that's a red flag up front that that maybe is somebody that you probably don't want to spend the rest of your life with because if they're not willing to be transparent and open with a third party and quite frankly transparent and open with Christ if they're not willing to do that that's red flag number one, that that's probably somebody you don't want to spend the rest of your life with. So we're going to start out by talking about the introduction into the marriage covenant, introduction into the marriage covenant. And I want to encourage you as you're listening, you can feel free to take notes as well. Uh, uh, you know, and write some things down and take some good notes because you want to use this as a blessing. And here's the goal. Once you go through this and once you learn this, you can also help to teach this information to other people. You can give these CDs and sow these CDs and to other couples that you know that may be stepping into marriage as well. So I want to go intro into the covenant. Uh, understand this marriage is a sacred and it's a holy covenant. A covenant is simply an agreement. It's just like you signing a contract for a lease or a contract to purchase a home. It's an agreement between a man, a woman, and there's a third party with God. A marriage covenant is not just about two individuals. It's an agreement also with God as well. The marriage covenant should be taken very seriously. It's nothing to enter into lightly. It's nothing that you just wake up one morning and say, you know what, me and my, you know, we're going to Vegas to get married. If you can enter into the marriage covenant that lightly, then you will enter out of the marriage covenant that easily. Did you get that? However, 
easily and however lightly you enter into something, it'll be just that easy to enter out of something. And so if you go into marriage with thought, with prayer, with fasting and all those things we're going to talk about over these next few sessions, if you go into marriage with those things in mind, then you will have a much higher success rate uh, in your marriage because you won't immediately result to divorce as the first option. You know, the Bible, uh, or excuse me, not the Bible, but uh, the, the statistics show that about 50% of marriages end in divorce. And here's what's staggering about that. It's 50% of marriages in the church also. So Bishop, what's going on? Why is it that marriages in the church and outside the church, why is it that half of them aren't working? I'm going to tell you why. Knowledge. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's what the Bible teaches us in the book of Hosea. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're not destroyed for lack of faith. They're not destroyed for a lack of belief. They're not destroyed for a lack of any of those things. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so what these sessions are going to do is bring you into that right knowledge. Now, any covenant, there are several components um, that go into a covenant, that go into an agreement. If I'm signing a contract for a lease, there are several different components that will go into place. And so I may have uh, a component that talks about the terms of the contract. I may have a component that talks about uh, um, the legal aspects of the contract and, and, and the, the, the terms and all those kinds of things come with the contract. And come in an agreement. Um, there are several components to a marriage. There's an emotional component to that contract. There's a physical component to that contract. There's a financial component to that contract. And there's a spiritual component to that contract. Let me give them to you again. Emotional, physical, financial, and most importantly, spiritual. Amen. Now, uh, through our understanding of that, um, We've got to understand, and we're going to go through all of the components of that contract throughout our sessions uh, that you're going to be listening to. But I want you to understand that there are components that go into a marriage contract. A marriage cannot simply be based off of, oh, she's cute, and, and I, you know, and, and so she, that's the contract. So I love her. So because I understand there's going to be a day where you may not feel uh, like loving, but you've got to make that decision. There'll be a day where you, if you base your relationship purely off of the financial aspect, there may be a day where money gets a little short, where money gets a little funny and change gets a little strange. Then what are you going to do? Because if you built your relationship only from that one component to the contract, then your relationship was not going to be as successful as it can. Now, through that, it is important that we understand uh, a few practical issues of getting into that marriage uh, covenant. It's very important that we understand that. Uh, now, the, the first thing that you want to do in getting these various areas of that contract together is you want to get some information about the person that you're dating. Now, uh, if you've decided that and you're listening to this and you've decided that I'm going to get married, you know, this we, we think that this is what we want to do and we want to move forward with marriage. Be open to those with experience and be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the things I found many times is that people can sometimes make things be God that are not really God. So in other words, well, this is the one I know they're the one and this is the one God has sent. And this is the one God has made for me. And I know that and I know that. And then, you know, two years later, uh, they're not together anymore. Well, what happened to all of that? This is God. Well, you know, this, that and the other. No, it was never God in the first place. You rushed and you didn't allow for the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
to come in. And I don't want that to be you. Now, there's a few things that I want you to understand and I want you to have um, as we're going through these sessions. There's some few things that I want you to have as we're going through these sessions today uh, that have to do with the contract, have to do with the covenant, have to do with the agreement. The first thing is each party needs to get an individual tri-merge credit report. An individual tri-merge credit report. That's got to do with the financial piece uh, to the marriage covenant. A lot of the times people, as they're entering into these covenants, they marry people and they have no clue what debt the other person has. They have no clue what kind of payment history the other person has. They have no clue really what kind of integrity and character that that other person has. Now, if that person, and we'll get into this later, but if that person has a bad credit report, that doesn't mean they're a bad person, but it does mean you need to know about those things up front. Uh, If you look at the statistics, the number one cause of divorce has to do with finances. Now, as we're talking, uh, I don't believe that to be the case. I believe it's communication about finances. It's okay if you understand up front that the person you're getting married to doesn't pay their bills. Now, that's not right for them not to pay their bills, but if you know that up front, you can't use that as a reason later on to say, well, this isn't going to work. But you need to get that up front. So you need to obtain individual tri-merge. What is a tri-merge? It's your Equifax, your Experian, and your TransUnion credit report. And you need to have those individual reports. You can go, and I'll give you some resources later on, um, but you can go, you can get those through uh, lots of different websites, TransUnion.com, lots of different other places that you can get them. And you can contact those companies directly. The next thing you're going to want is each party is going to want to visit the doctor. And they're going to want to have a complete STD, sexually transmitted disease testing, including uh, testing for HIV AIDS. Here's why that's very important. Because today um, there are women that are being affected and men that are being affected. And HIV is, 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 is doing some, some not good things to the lives of people. And a lot of it, again, goes back to knowledge. They didn't know. Well, we thought they looked clean. It looked good. They said they hadn't been with anybody. All those kinds of things. And the truth of the matter is, while that may be true, it is always important. Knowledge and applied knowledge, rather, is power. Knowledge by itself is not power. I know a lot of smart people that aren't doing anything with their lives. When you apply the knowledge that you have, that makes the difference in your life. So you're going to get a complete STD testing, including HIV, AIDS, and you're going to have those tests because that's going to be part of the physical component here in the contract. Now, uh, next thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want, of course, get yourself some hands on some materials. And you've done that as you're listening to these CD sets. That's what you're doing. You're listening to the materials. You're listening to the information that's going to help you uh, to build uh, your life. Um, and from there, now, we're going to go through these sessions. We're going to take a look at dating, and we're going to continue to move into the covenant, and we're going to continue going from there. Now, the first thing that happens is that uh, in today's society, um, you know, everybody's got a little bit different view and a little bit different opinion on how Christians should date. Whether or not Christians should should court or date or, you know, how do you date or are we talking or are we engaged now? What are we doing? And I want to help to just bring you some good best practices of life through the word of God that are going to help you to make the best decision. Now, before you get into the marriage covenant, you're dating someone. And in the process of dating someone, the purpose of dating is to find out, is this person marriage material? 
And the worst thing that a Christian could do is waste their time dating someone that they know is not marriage material simply because they don't want to have nothing to do on Friday. They need something to do on Friday night. So they need something to do on the weekend. And so even though I know this person is not going to be a person that is going to work for my life, there's not marriage material, they lie or whatever it is, I'm still going to waste my time. You got to understand that the Bible teaches us that we must learn to redeem the time for the days are evil. And what does that simply mean? That simply means that we do our best uh, to make the most of the time that we have been given. Uh, We don't have time to be wasting with people that we understand, you know what, you're not going to work out long term, um, but let me date you anyhow. And that tells us right there in Ephesians 5 and verse number 15. It says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And, and some definitions say, and do what the will of the Lord is. It's important that we don't stay stuck on stupid. We don't want to stay, stay in bad cycles and bad relationships. When we date, we are dating to see if this person is marriage material. Amen. Now, if you believe that this individual is marriage material, I want to give you just some pointers of how to date. Now, the first thing that we must understand, the Bible says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So the first thing I want women to understand that are listening to this is you do not go out there and and, and I'm going to use this word prostitute yourself and 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 promote yourself as an available woman. Here's what I mean by that. A a man will find a wife. Uh the Bible does not say he that finds a girlfriend, he that finds a he that finds a a a a a a, a good a good weekend thing, a good fling. That's not what it says. It says he that finds a wife. So a woman's goal is to be a wife and and we'll talk about exactly what that looks like and what that actually means. Uh, but a woman should never go out and and again I use the word prostitute herself. You know, as a single woman, you don't have to broadcast, "Oh, I'm single. Oh, I'm just looking for a man. I'm waiting for a man. I'm waiting for a man. Who can't wait to get a man?" Because then the enemy hears all of those things that you're saying. And as the enemy's hearing those things, just like God can send people and cause people to come your way, so can the enemy do the same thing. And the enemy can use people against you in order to try to stop you. And so I've heard women say, ooh, as soon as, ooh, I tell you, if I got a man that was six feet tall, and if he was, you know, all muscled out and if he had a six pack and now they got these nine packs and all that if he had all of that ooh, i tell you i would just be there and so what happens the enemy heard that and so now what he's going to do is he's going to sit in the thing that you started speaking about everything that glitters is not gold and so you never as a woman of god if you're listening you never ever put yourself out like a piece of meat you don't do that you be, be elegant you be a lady and a man a husband will find you you don't just want any man to find you you want a husband to find you you want a man of god to find you and you attract what images you're projecting and so whatever's in you that is what you are attracting to you and so if you present yourself as a girl that that's going to give the milk before you buy the cow if you present yourself as that then I need to tell you that you're going to find somebody that's in the buying, uh, that's in the getting milk without having to buy cows. And so you don't want to do that. Now, also, I should tell you in these sessions, these are uncensored sessions. These are sessions that are going to be very direct and they're going to help you and deal with some real life issues. So I want to tell you right now. 
as you're listening to these sessions, uh, you, you just need to, to understand that they're going to be very direct and very real. One of the things I find a lot of times when you deal with marriage and relationships in church, a lot of times the people are so uh, so afraid to be real and to be direct that no one actually ends up getting any help because you're talking from all these spiritual, theological, hermeneutical, homiletic kind of uh, concepts. And that's nice, but that's not where people live. I don't live in these and downs. You don't live in these and downs. So we need it to be real. So I want to encourage you that it's going to be real. Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife, not a girlfriend, not a fling. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So you've got to understand, ladies, as you're waiting to be found, you want to make sure that you position yourself in such a way that you're a wife. So you're not ready to be married and you're not ready to, to have to take instruction from someone. I just said something right there. Um, oh, I'm ready to be married, but ain't no man going to tell me what to do. Well, then you're not a wife. You're a woman. So until you become a wife, then you're not going to be found by a husband. A woman is found by a man. A wife is found by a husband. Do you get that? So you position yourself. You, you, you don't know how to cook. And, and, and let me say this. Uh, not knowing how to cook doesn't mean that you're not a wife. It just means you need to learn how to compensate for that. That means you need to learn the best restaurants and the best deals or learn how to get you some hamburger helper and make it and put it together. That is important. Uh, now, in some situations, the man may be more of the cook and the woman may have strengths otherwhere. But the, but the point is, is that, ladies, you never presents yourself as a piece of meat and men neither do you do the same you don't present yourself as a piece of meat and if that's how the, if you're a couple that's listening and that's how you found each other you're going to make sure that you that you listen to these steps even more intently and you pray even more earnestly and you fast even more earnestly concerning this relationship because normally the way a thing starts is the way a thing will continue now, as you are dating, I want to give you some, some key things for dating. And again, to this session, we're talking the intro to the covenant, intro to the marriage covenant. As you are dating with one another, it is good to be in groups. See how the other person interacts with one another. If they always just want to be around you and never want to be around other people, that's a red flag. It's a red flag because if they can't interact with other people while you are dating, it will be difficult for them to interact with other people while you are married. And in fact, many times that may be because there's character flaws that they don't want other people to see. I always say this. If a lady's dating someone or a man is dating someone in the congregation and they won't bring them and they won't come to church to meet me. First off, um, they need to be a Christian. So let me kind of digress there and come back to that. If you are dating someone who is not a Christian, I want to tell you that is a red flag. The Bible teaches us that we not be unequally yoked. Yoke is a burden. Yoke is a is is a passion. It is a something that 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 literally it was a yoke was put around the, the, the neck of an oxen. And I want to encourage you, if you're dating someone that is not a Christian, does not believe in the Lord, then they need to give their lives to the Lord <clears throat> before you start dating. Uh, if they change and come to Christ only because you all are dating and only because they know, well, man, you, we can't see each other unless you come to church. If that's the only reason they serve God, that is a red flag to look out for. You don't want people in your life that will do things only in order to get something from you. If you're going to come to church, but only because that's the only way you can date me, that's not a good way to start a relationship. Doesn't mean it's the end of the relationship or the end of the possibility of a relationship, but it is important. I encourage you 
If you are considering dating someone that is not a Christian, you need to lead them to Christ first before you start talking about dating. And if they can't receive the God you serve, you certainly don't receive the God that they may serve. And if that's not Jesus the Christ, then you need to keep on moving. Um, again, many times people will get into relationships and they will think, well, uh, you know, we, we can date and, and this kind of deal. Well, they believe different than me, but it's not that different. That is a trap from the devil. If you read this Bible, you will find that that's why many of the kings got in trouble because they would they would allow themselves to be taken away by women and men from foreign gods. We look at the life of Solomon, uh, who was a very wise man, yet he kept dating what the Bible calls strange women. He kept dating and being in relationship with women, he had wives and concubines, and, 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 and you know he had a thousand total. But he kept allowing himself to get into relationships with women that served other gods. And, and as they had sex and as they became intimate with one another, they poisoned and polluted Solomon. And so that's what the enemy will try to do to you today, is he will try to send people into your life that don't serve your God in order to poison and pollute you to take you away from your God. I've seen it happen time after time after time. And people think, well, Bishop, I know he doesn't serve the Lord now, but I'm working on him. Don't get into a relationship from that premise. You cannot save anybody. Only God can. But I want to encourage you through that, that uh, that doesn't mean you can't befriend people, but they need to come to Christ before you call yourself dating them. Amen. Now, back to back to my point. I told you I had to digress a little bit there um, through that uh, and dealing with uh, dating. You want to date in groups. And it is important that if you're dating someone that they meet your pastor, perhaps they go to another church, <clears throat> but it is important that they meet your pastor and that they meet one another. Uh, it is important, I, especially for single women that are in the congregation, I always encourage them, you bring, if you're dating somebody, you bring him to church, and you make him look, me as your bishop, as your leader, I'm talking to those that are in a local assembly, you speak to him, and you say, you know what, you're going to have to come meet bishop, bishop needs to meet you, because a man that will not meet another man, is a dangerous man to follow. A, a man that is a real man has no problem meeting another real man. And he won't come at it from a perspective of arrogance. He comes at it from a perspective of humility. And that's another red flag. If you're dating someone that uh, has arrogance when it comes to meeting people that are important to you. Well, I'll meet your pastor, but, you know, he's just a man, too. I could care less what he got to say. That is a red flag. You want to watch out for people like that. If they won't respect the people that are important to you in your life, then I'm telling you those are people that you want to watch out for. Next key when dating, uh, try to never be at home alone uh, when it is late. Try to never be home alone when it is late. Now, Certainly now couples watch movies and have fun and do those kinds of things. And I encourage you, it's important to do a myriad of activities. Go bowling, go to the movies, go to church services, go to concerts, um, you know, go to, go to different things. Enjoy uh, the dating experience. You want to find out and put people in as many different circumstances and situations as you possibly can. If the only thing you all do when you're dating is going out to eat, then that's the only behavior you'll be able to monitor in that other person. And you need to see them in more than just out and out to eat kind of a basis. But again, this key, never try to never be alone in homes when it's late. 
Things happen. We are sexual creatures, or, uh, creatures rather. We are sexual creations. Uh, God made us to be sexual in nature, but he made us to do that within the confines of the covenant of marriage. And so uh, when we when we, you know, present ourselves and put ourselves in situations, um, you know, sometimes that flesh starts speaking to you. And if you are alone with the person that you're dating and you've got strong feelings for, especially if it's in that first 90 days of the marriage, remember, that's the ecstasy stage. That means your mind's not even functioning properly. Then you can have a tendency to sometimes make decisions that aren't the best. Amen. Amen. So, again, uh, you know, don't place yourself in those positions. Don't place yourself in positions where you get the opportunity to be sexual. Don't uh, before marriage. Just don't do it because our flesh uh, is weak. The spirit is willing, but that flesh can sometimes be weak. And even the strongest Christian, you could be a pastor that's listening. You'd be a bishop. You can be a minister that's listening. You could be a deacon that's listening. You, You could be saved for 30 years. But that flesh. It's something we got to crucify on a daily basis. And so when you're dating, try not to place yourself in situations where you're alone and it's late um, because, you know, they had an old song, the freaks come out at night. And uh, amen. Sometimes that's exactly what happens. And we want to try to avoid that because when we break and we'll get into this a little bit later, but when we break. Um, the understanding and when we enter into sex before a marriage in a relationship, we create false relationship and false marriage in the spirit realm because a marriage is born in the spirit realm, um, uh, among other things, through a sexual experience. And so we'll uh, talk about that as well uh, some more a little bit later. Um, next thing, avoid situations that cause sexual arousal. So maybe you live by the beach. And you know, every time you see her in that bikini, stuff just starts going and rolling. Well, you know what? Then maybe you need to not place yourself in that kind of a situation. Uh, maybe she needs to wear, uh, you know, one of those uh, 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 swimming suits that goes over the whole body. You know, it's one big old piece. Or maybe she needs to wear a T-shirt over that outfit or something. Don't allow the enemy to infiltrate. In situations that will cause sexual arousal. Now, granted, when you date someone, you know, I've never heard people say, well, when you marry someone, it should be all about what's in their heart. And that's true. But at the same time, I've never seen anyone walk up to someone and say, you know what? Oh, my Lord, they look like they have a great personality. No, that's not how it works. You look at a person and say that person is beautiful or she is fine or he is incredible or he is all that or whatever. And so uh, physical attraction is definitely a part of a relationship and it's part of the covenant. It's part of part of that uh, uh, um, that marriage covenant. It's a piece to it. The physical attraction and then the, the sexual attraction that happens. But at the same time, you want to place yourself in situations that you can avoid that sexual arousal and you have to be deliberate about it. If you're not deliberate about it, you'll let things slip and whatever you let slip before the marriage will then devalue it in the marriage and so you say oh you know we slipped up and we've been sleeping around before we got married well guess what first john 1 9 get it under the blood move on from that point but do everything in your power not to allow that to happen again because then the sexual experience will be devalued once you actually enter into the marriage because it's a privilege and whatever you give away for free that should have a cost people won't appreciate I'm going to say that again. Whatever you give away for free, that that should have a cost. No one will appreciate. All right. Next thing uh, in, in your dating, you want to pray. 
pray earnestly when you meet someone and he comes up to you or she, you know, and, and of course women, you know, I know nowadays we got these strong women that'll go up to men and, you know, sometimes you just got to be led by the spirit. But again, I'm a believer in sort of the old school way. I believe that the man should go and find that woman. And, uh, you know, and I, I encourage you to to do that and find that wife, I should say, of course. Now, through that, though, you want to pray. Again, you don't want to waste your time on relationships that you don't see lasting, that you don't see. If you can't see yourself marrying someone, then end the relationship. It doesn't mean they can't be a good friend. It doesn't mean they can't be a good church buddy. But guess what? If I can't see myself marrying you, there's no use in us continuing to date and continuing to build these emotional uh, uh, adaptations to one another. Because what happens is, is that the more you continue to lessen and lessen and lessen and lessen, your expectations then you will become acceptable to certain things and so you know um you, you, things that you shouldn't become acceptable to now certainly and we'll talk about this the power of lowered expectations is a piece of a marriage because sometimes your expectations are too high Sometimes you want things that you're just not going to find. Uh, well, Lord, he got to have good teeth and good feet and serve the Lord and be a millionaire and have a Bentley and have this and have that and have that. Well, sometimes your expectations are too high. And we've got to learn that there's a power in lowering those expectations and, and being real um, with those kinds of things. But at the same time, you don't want to lower your expectations for things you shouldn't lower them to. Well, you know, he's only cheated on me once. Well, that's one time too many. You don't want to lower your expectations there. And the more time you spend dating people that you will never marry, then you will continue to lower your expectations to the point to where you'll just settle. Well, he's a man. He's got two legs and two eyes and two hands. And well, well, hey, man, this must be the one. You don't want to lower your expectations down to that to that point. So you want to pray earnestly. And as you're dating, it's it's OK to even pray together uh, and see if a person lady, if you're dating a man, can he lead you in prayer? If you got to always lead the prayer, that's what you need. A husband's got to be a leader. He's a husband, a house band. He brings together his household. He's the priest of his household. And we'll look into all of that in a moment. But he's got to be the house band. He's got to be a leader. So can he lead you while you're praying? And men, can she submit and allow you to pray? Or does she always say, well, no, I got something to say too. Uh, so I want to encourage you to pray. Even together as you're dating, pray before you go out on dates. Always get the spirit of the Lord involved in your dating relationship. A lot of us sometimes think that God doesn't want us to date. And if we're dating, we're doing something that's anti-spiritual. It's anti-God. You know what I'm saying. And so if you find someone that's beautiful and you like them and you start dating and then sometimes you can feel like, oh, you know, I don't even know, you know, you could get this this weird guilt sort of a thing going on. And that's not from God. You have to date. Dating is important. Uh, courting is important. Uh, I grew up in the South, and they called it coating. They called it coating, uh, you know. Uh, but those kinds of things are important. So pray before you go on dates. Pray once you end a date. Pray when you're just eating uh, dinner together. Pray, 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 pray. And in your personal prayer time, pray, Lord, open my eyes so that I see clearly. Lord, I want to know that this is the right person that I'm dating because I don't even want to move forward. Lord, unless this is the right person. Many people say that they believe in the one. They believe in a soulmate and those kinds of things. And the truth is, is that while there, you, there's a, you can make a case for that, and we're going to look at that as we get into this covenant, 
you can make a case for that. The, the real truth of the matter is, is that there's not necessarily any scriptural um, evidence that supports that. Um, you know, um, you know, the, 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 there's really not too much scriptural evidence that says this is my soulmate. This is the one. Um, and again, we'll look at that. But I want to encourage you. Sometimes there may not be and I'm putting up quotes here, the one. But there may be individuals that fit the things you're looking for in a relationship that fit the things you're looking for in a spouse. And they fit the things that you require in a spouse. And then they subsequently become what it is that you're looking for. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I know this is my soulmate because we finish each other's sentence. Well, that's coincidental. Um, and, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the one. You know, some of my staff finishes my sentences. Well, that does, that's just because they've been around me for so long. That doesn't mean that, that, you know, that they're the ones for me. You understand what I'm saying? So pray. Pray is a very key thing. Next thing, look out for red flags in a dating relationship. And this is for both parties. Uh, do they respond with anger? Uh, um, do they have a lack of submission to their pastor? If they're not submitted to their pastor, you that if it's dangerous to follow someone that won't follow someone. And especially for women that are listening to this, if you're dealing with a man that will not submit and that will not follow the leading of his set man, then that's somebody to, to look out for. Again, are they unsaved? Big red flag. And I know they may be cute. I know they may be fine. I know they may care about you. They may be a good person. But good people, uh, just because they're a good person doesn't mean that they're going to heaven. Uh, a lot of hell is going to be filled with a lot of good people. Uh, but it's about a relationship with Christ. And so they need to be connected to Christ. Um, and, and the next la last red flag I'm going to give to you is do they say all of the right things all the time? Sometimes if it's too good to be true, sometimes it is. Now, I remember years ago in a dating relationship, I, I, I had a young lady tell me, she told me, she said, uh, she said to me, she said, well, you just seem too good to be true. And, I, and I'm not saying that to be boastful or anything like that. And I said, well, my Lord, to me, it seems like that that would be exactly what you'd want. I mean, who would want to go after the man? Well, yeah, he cheats on me, but at least, you know, at least that's more realistic. To me, that didn't make any sense. To me, um, something that seems too good to be true, why not? see if it's really true and how do you do that you look at the fruit the bible says that we'll know a person we'll know a thing we'll know a ministry we'll know a business we'll know an organization by the fruit that it bears fruit is not material things fruit is referencing the fruit of the spirit is there some productivity happening in their life? It's okay if they don't maybe have that business going now, but are they bearing some fruit now? Are they loving now? Do they have a relationship with their parents now? Does, what does their family say about them? It's important that you look at the fruit of a person because sometimes if the person is saying all the right things, it's because they've rehearsed it. It's because they're professionals. It's because they're pimps and players and pimpettes and pimpstresses. Um, and you don't want to deal with that. You want to watch out for people that always say all the right things. And again, if it seems too good to be true, well, that doesn't mean that you should run from it. It means that you should examine the fruit. Don't miss a blessing that God can have for you because you don't examine the fruit. So that's a synopsis in a, in a, in a shortcut there of dating. Now, once you get beyond that point of dating, you say, you know what? This is someone that I think I could spend the rest of my life with. Now, think about it. Before we get into this too deep, the rest of your life means until you die. 
Now, watch this. Uh, 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 and we talk even about eternity and spending eternity together. So even after you die uh, and they come to be with you, uh, you'll spend that time with them. Now, but I, I, I want us to look at this, that through this, um, is this someone that I can wake up in the morning and look at it, even if their breath stinks? Yeah, I, I hear you laughing. I hear you laughing. Is this someone that even when they feed a crusty? Is this someone that even when things start sagging, is this someone that even when grades start coming in, is this someone that my love, my decision to love them is going to overshadow those things? And if that is true, then it is a good probability that that's someone that may be fit for marriage. Just like anything, think of it like a football contract. Um, there's plenty of football players out there, but you got to see if that football player is the right player for your team. And before you sign a contract with him, you test him out. He comes to tryouts, and you go through the various uh, stages of dating. And, and I want to talk to you about this, and then we'll di dive into this covenant. In a dating relationship, you want to constantly, you want to see a person exposed. You want to see a person transparent. Uh, in the garden, and we'll look at this. And matter of fact, if you got your Bible, which I want you to go to flip there to Genesis chapter 2. But in the garden, God created them. And as God created them, uh, he created them and left them naked. He left them transparent before one another. And many people today, that's why many marriages don't work, because when people are dating, they've got up fig leaves. And then, oh, three, four, five years into the marriage, they start taking those fig leaves off. And then you see what the real deal is. And then you say, ooh, we, if I knew this was up under there, I wouldn't have wanted to do this at all. So you, you've got to look at them in all different circumstances and situations. And I love the way, and I've heard this story, I, I've heard it by, by way of it being told to me about how uh, female eagles date. And uh, as they're courting a male eagle, they'll start low and they'll drop a little twig because they want to see, can he handle it? And then if he catches the little twig low to the ground, then she'll fly a little higher. Then she'll go a little higher. Then she'll get a bigger stick and she'll go a little higher all the way up into the top of the cliff where her nest is perched. And where her nest is is where her children are because she wants to know, are you going to be able to provide for my children? And she says, are you want, going to want to be able to provide for me and if an emergency happens can you swoop in and be the eagle you know super eagle can you swoop in and save the day and it is important that in a dating relationship you make sure you see a person are they going to sacrifice are they going to be there for you are they going to take time to to help you and to share with you because i guarantee you most people uh do the same things after marriage as they were doing before marriage the difference is is that people chose to ignore them before marriage but now all of a sudden now that you're in the marriage now things start to change and so you need to look at those things while you're dating now let's look at genesis chapter number two now if we look there at verse number 15 i'm going to take you line upon line precept upon precept because we're going to dive into this covenant this is the first Marriage covenant uh, in scripture is dealing with Adam and Eve. It's dealing with man and it is dealing with the mother of all living things. And so we want to take a look at this covenant to understand exactly what it entailed and understand exactly how it is fit together. Uh, when we understand exactly how it is fit together and we understand exactly what it entails, then it will help us to make the best decisions. So let's start Genesis 2. 
and 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for even that day you eat of it you shall surely die. Notice the man's position was that he tended to the garden. Now, not only the literal garden, but in a family situation, in a merits covenant, it is the responsibility of the man. It is the responsibility of the renewed Adam, not the old Adam, because that old Adam was crazy. The renewed Adam or the second Adam, which is Christ. It is important that the man understands it is his role to tend to the garden. It is his role to tend to the garden of his family. And if you're marrying and there's no children involved, it is the man's responsibility to tend to the garden of that relationship. And what does that literally mean? That literally means that it's his responsibility to understand he's the head of the household. He's the head of the garden. And as the head of the garden, if there's a problem in that household, the Lord is going to first come to him. God will not go to the woman when there's a problem. He'll go to the man because the man was put into garden to tend it and to keep it. And with that, if there are children involved, and even through a dating relationship, it's important that if you're dating someone, that they have a good relationship with children that are already involved from previous relationships and previous marriages. Blended families are very difficult things to do if you don't communicate about it properly, if you don't pray about it properly, and if you don't set some boundaries about it up front properly. And so, and it's important that we understand that uh, because, you know, people get in relationships. Well, that's your kid. That's your kid. Well, no, when you two people became one flesh, that family became one garden, one garden. Amen. Now, let's look there. Verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now. So now we find out what Eve's role, what the wife's role is. She was to be a helper that was comparable to him. Now, that doesn't mean that she's the background and his foreground and he's the foreground. That just simply means that she stands with him in order to help them accomplish the same goal, to accomplish the same mission. Does that make some sense? And a lot of times families will get out of order because the woman's tending the garden and the man's the helper. That's comparable. Well, that's out of order. That's not the order of God. And we need to understand that. Uh, and so the Lord says, I'm going to make a helper comparable to him. Comparable means of same uh, uh, of same uh, ability as him. In other words, she's got the same ability to do the things that Adam does. Now, here's the difference. In a marriage, man has position. The woman has influence. And we'll look at that in a little bit different. The man is the head of the household. household. He's the head of the marriage. While a woman, though, has influence with the man. All right. Verse 19. <clears throat> Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of, uh, of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that which its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Some another thing point I want you to see from that passage of Scripture is that through that Adam had the ability to name and, and call things that didn't have a name, didn't have an identity. And as a man in the marriage covenant, the husband, he has a responsibility to call things out of his wife and call things out of his children that are going to take them to the next level. See, a husband that's always focusing on the negative and you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't do that and the kids don't do this, that is not a good husband. And if you're listening to this and you're married already today, 
It is important that you stop that kind of behavior. Whatever you call a thing, that is what that thing shall be. That's what its identity shall be. And that power rests within the power of the husband. It rests within the power of the priest of the household. Now, I do realize there may also be single women that are listening to this or single parents that are listening to this and say, well, what does that mean? If you're a single mother that's listening to this, you, by virtue of the grace of God, have to stand in both the role of Adam and both the role of Eve. You got to stand as both husband and both as wife in that family. And God's grace will help you to do that. So just apply the word uh, as it needs to be applied. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman or man with the womb because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. And we're not ashamed. Now, I w there's a lot I want to show you here. In this marriage covenant, here's how it works. A man has certain things that the Lord took from man and gave to woman. And certain, uh, certain of those things include uh, the ability to be more emotional. Generally speaking, again, this is a generalization. Women are more emotionally driven while men are more practically driven. Women are much more about the feeling of a thing, about the emotion of a thing, while men, typically speaking, are much more about the practicality of a thing. Uh, and so what the Lord did in this particular instance is that the Lord took from Adam certain qualities, characteristics, and he put those characteristics in a woman. Now, here's how the marriage covenant works, is that as you find your wife and as you find your spouse, those qualities that God has, has, has taken from you and placed within another individual, that's what you should look for because a married couple should complement each other. They should never be in competition with each other. And so if you're dealing with a very strong-willed woman, uh, then there's got to be qualities that will complement that in that husband. If you're dealing with a very strong-willed man, then there's got to be qualities in that woman that will complement that. What does complement mean? It means it makes the best out of what exists. And so through that, that's how that's supposed to work. It will never work having two chiefs in the household. Uh, so I need to say that to you right now. Somebody's got to be a chief. Somebody's got to be an Indian. And according to the will and the order of God, that chief's supposed to be the husband and that and the Indian, so to speak, or Native American to be politically correct, is going to be uh, the, uh, uh, the the woman and the wife and the family. Now look at 24. It says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and he shall be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. So the marriage covenant is about oneness. It is about understanding that there is no more her and I, he and I. No, there is only now one. There is only now us. There is only now we. And that is important because many times in marriages, people will get into relationships and they're still trying to live separate lives, not realizing that two flesh have become one flesh. That means that everything becomes one. Everything becomes the same. So it is important that a spouse knows the friends um, that you have. You Well, these are my friends and you can't come around here. Well, no, one flesh, you're, you're one body. So that means if, if these are my friends, that means that I, I, I agree that these are your friends and I agree vice versa. 
I've seen it happen several times where a woman may say, you know, well, your friends, they're trying to, they're, you know, they're not married and they're trying to pollute you. Well, these are my friends and I had these friends before we got married and these are going to be my friends. And, you know, they, they don't mean anything by it, even though they're trying to get me to sleep with other women outside of the marriage. Hello. Hello. Let's wake up. Again, I told you these are uncensored. This is counseling. This is premarital counseling I'm giving you here. Understand that in a marriage covenant, everything before has now uh, no longer matters. It is now one. And so that means she's got to agree with the friends you have and vice versa. Uh, when you don't do that, you give the devil a place to come into your relationship and wreak havoc because now you're still living two separate lives. Every decision that is made within the confines of a marriage, every decision should be be made and it should come together uh, uh, by a couple. Uh, uh, and every decision should be made jointly. There should not be, well, um, I decided to do this. Well, you decided to do this. No, every decision has to be made together because it is about oneness. A marriage is about oneness. It is about a man and a woman coming together and they are one flesh. Uh, uh, and verse 20. Now, I, I want to also point something else out there. It says, and they shall become one flesh. Now, th there's two sides to that word become. Become means, first off, that uh, as they join together in a marriage, that they have become one flesh. But the other side to that is that it is a process, a continual process throughout years of becoming one flesh. So just because things are not, uh, you know, are not tiptoeing through the tulips early in a marriage covenant uh, doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. It means that there's a process to becoming one flesh. And that's why you want to utilize dating the best you can to make sure this is someone you can marry and then begin to walk in those things that are going to take you towards uh, 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 oneness. Now, certainly that does not mean sex before marriage. That does not mean putting your bank accounts together before marriage. That does not mean living together before marriage. Those are all recipes for disaster. You don't want to do those things. But it does mean that you have become one flesh when you enter into a marriage covenant, but you are always becoming a greater one flesh throughout the course of your marriage. And that's good preaching. Now, 25 and they were both naked and the, the man and his wife and they were not ashamed notice that in the relationship you have got to be naked you have got to be transparent before one another and that's where most people miss it in a relationship and we're going to look at this in chapter three in that next uh, in that in our next session um, but we've got to understand that most couples miss it in the marriage covenant because they do not understand that they've got to be transparent before one another. If you marry someone and you still have to have up fig leaves, what good was your marriage? What good was your relationship if you can't be you, if you can't be naked and exposed? And uh, in a relationship, then what was the purpose of the marriage? You could have just been good friends. There, there was really no purpose in that relationship. So understanding that the marriage covenant is something that lasts forever. Uh, it, it, uh, we don't get the opportunity to say, well, I don't like the way she cooks anymore. So this relationship's over. Now, certainly there are ways out of a marriage relationship. And I'm going to give them to you real quick. Abuse. Uh, sexual immorality in the relationship, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, death. Those are the ways out of a relationship, out of the marriage covenant. 
abuse. It is never God's will that anyone stay in an abusive relationship, be it physical or be it verbal. Do not put that on God that it is God's will. Well, I'm staying in this relationship with this abusive man or this abusive woman because I can't get a divorce. That is not the will of the Lord that you stay in an abusive relationship. And don't you let people, don't you let friends, and don't you even let preachers talk you into thinking that is the will of the Lord. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But there's nothing you could ever do to deserve physical or mental or, or verbal abuse in a relationship. Second thing that is a way out in a marriage covenant is adultery. Now, adultery literally means to break your covenant. Now, so that means that there's many forms of adultery because you make some agreements, you make vows on your day of marriage. And the Bible says it's better never to even make a vow than make it and not keep it. When you make vows on your marriage day and on that covenant uh, and on that marriage contract, when you make those vows, what happens is, is that if you break those vows, that is committing a form of adultery because adultery literally means to break your covenant. It means to break your agreement. It means to go against what you said you would do. Now, through that, uh, the, the most predominant of those, though, is sexual immorality. So if there is sexual immorality in a relationship that creates a method out. Now, I, I'm not going to in this session, I'm not going to get into the depth of that through the teaching, through the word of God. But that creates a, a way out. Now, you can choose to forgive an individual and say, you know what, we're going to make this relationship work. And if you do decide to do that in a marriage covenant, then God says what you have forgiven, he has forgiven and if you choose to continue to move forward, even after sexual immorality, then in that relationship, you can certainly move forward in the, uh, you know, in that. Uh, and of course, the last way is death. Of course, if one is to die, then what that does is that creates uh, also a, a way out of a marriage covenant, um, um, so to speak. One of the reasons that in Scripture they talk about. Uh, marriage and those things so, so much and they're very uh, sort of very specific with that is that the Bible Jesus is talking to some scribes and some Pharisees about divorce and and he starts talking about that and, and he says well Moses gave you permission to divorce because of your stiff neckness or because of your hardened hearts and so divorce should always be a, a last resort. And again, that's why you got to understand that the covenant is, a, is supposed to be forever. One of the things we do in all of our ceremonies is that couples have communion, but couples also perform what's called a salt covenant. What a salt covenant is, is uh, it was a way that they made agreements um, in, in, in uh, biblical times and pre-biblical times. Uh, 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 and in that agreement, what they would do, is one man would take his patch of salt and another, uh, if they were making a general agreement, they would take their patch, their bag of salt, they'd mix them together, and they said, the only way we break this agreement is if you can get your individual grains of salt and if I can get my individual grains of salt out. Well, here's the deal. No one could ever get their individual grains of salt out. It's all the same. And so it's important that we understand that marriage covenant is serious with God. It is an agreement between two people and it's an agreement between God. In other words, we're agreeing, God, I'm going to do everything I can to love this individual. Remember, love is a choice. I'm going to do everything I can to love this individual. I'm going to do everything I can to make this relationship work. I'm going to do everything that I can in order to see this relationship go to the things that God has ordained for it to go to. And that's extremely important that we understand that covenant. Two 
individuals have become one flesh. It is the greatest thing out there. But some things that can stop that is when we don't understand that mom and dad have to get out of this relationship. It cannot be a relationship between a man, a woman, his mama, and his daddy, and God. That is not the marriage covenant. The marriage covenant is between a man, a woman, and between God. And when we understand that covenant, and when we understand that it is a covenant forever, we do not enter into it lightly. See, I I don't like signing long-term agreements because I know that God is always taking me from glory to glory to glory. And in that, I understand that a marriage covenant is a long-term contract. So if you if you don't, you know, they even have cell phone service providers. They say, well, if you don't want to sign a contract, and everybody's afraid of commitment these days, if somebody will not commit to you for life, they are not someone worth spending your time with If uh, in a relationship. Uh, if someone said, well, you know, I'm scared to get married. My parents got divorced. I got divorced. Guess what? It's a brand new day. You've been born again. You're in the family of Christ. Old things have passed away. New things have begun. The marriage covenant is serious with God, and we don't want to enter into it lightly. We don't want to get married just to get divorced. We want to be serious with God because you waste your time. And in you wasting your time, you will miss years of fulfilling your purpose, your mission, and your destiny because you wasted your time. Folks, that concludes session one, intro into the covenant and your premarital counseling sessions. Let's get ready for session number two, which talks more about knowing your other half. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.